Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a sports nutritionist, and I'm an occasionally competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, strength coach. I run strengthfieldlifterhope.org. Um, and that's about it. All around nice guy. All right. So Fortress is not with us. He's um, in transit out west into uh, the mountains of Canada. Um, but we're gonna. We got news. We got l- plenty of gym talk. There's been quite a few things going on with me that I think could be relevant to listeners and stuff. And uh, I'm gonna start with uh, some science news. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, this first one you may have heard or seen. Uh, a Time magazine had an article that I thought was interesting to us, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Um, it's by Alexandra Seferlin, apparently. It's called Turn Out the Light. It may be making you moody. Now, what what this is, stems from was there was a, a, a publication in the journal Nature, and many listeners will realize that's a big-time science journal, perhaps the biggest time. And what they did was researchers, they exposed uh, lab mice to three-and-a-half hours of bright light followed by three-and-a-half hours of darkness. And the whole idea is... They're trying to uh, relate this to human beings by saying, should we have light on in our face after dark? And could it screw us up? Um, they said, of course, you can't ask mice how they feel, but they did look at them for different depressive symptoms. Like, they didn't seek pleasure, like sugary foods, you know what I mean? Um, they moved around less, stuff like that. And, and when, they, when they put these light-blasted mice on Prozac after they got all depressed and sluggish, it started to fix their symptoms. So that also suggests that, of course, the, the bright light after dark or the light-dark cycle kind of thing uh, was screwed up. Now, they were careful not to ruin their sleep pattern, so they're real, this is really just about getting light at inappropriate intervals, right? Yeah. So um, because mice share some of these, these retinal cells, they're called photosensitive retinal ganglion cells uh, with humans, uh, it, you know, it could be relative, and I think this is where it gets insidious for um, physique athletes. The link between the light and the um, depression, obviously, is the nervous system, and, and the nervous system is linked to the endocrine system, right, the neuroendocrine system. So they were saying that uh, there are times when you're... Um, like your limbic system that's responsible for mood and, and some aspects of memory and whatnot, um, it wants to shut down at night. And so you have something like I caught myself doing laptop on my chest late at night, you know, when I can't sleep or even even if I probably could sleep it, or um, a bright big screen TV near your face or something. And this is the insidious thing. The real link, it says, seems to be hormone levels, specifically corticosterone so corticosterone in rodents, the, the uh, analogy in humans, of course, is cortisol. And our listeners know about that, right? So not only is that a stress hormone, but it's also not the friend of muscle tissue, right? Cortisol's one of its main jobs is to degrade muscle protein and turn it into blood sugar for your brain. Um, so anyway, interesting study was done by um, a biology professor by the last name of Hetar and um, – You know, it really does suggest there's some other links here, too, but it really does suggest that we should be turning the lights off. Uh, In in fact, there's there's other related work that says it also affects um, learning ability. So, wow. It it really strikes me that even though the days get very short uh, this time of year, and that can be a problem with mood, too, of course, gets dark at like, you know, 4 or 5 p.m. um, here in the Midwest, anyway, but... God, turn that laptop off, turn the TV off, you know, try to keep the bright lights out of your face. And I actually do the opposite when I wake up in the morning. There's some research we talked about months ago on the podcast that a bright light for about 15 or 20 minutes, it takes a while, uh, helps you wake up. And I've been doing that with these 4.30 research mornings, and it works. (laughs) I'll sit around, I'll drink a cup of coffee, and I'll turn on my bedside lamp. Um, It doesn't have to be UV or anything. And leave it on. And about 15 minutes later, you know, I'm ready for a shower. I'm ready to get going. So 
I think you can manipulate light. Uh, some of the guys on our Facebook page were manipulating. They were talking about manipulating sound for testosterone boosts, right? But I mean, this is one thing where you know it's there's just looks like there's nothing good. Mood, high cortisol, learning problems, all because you've got bright lights on after you started to experience some darkness at night. So. Yeah. You should uh, do your own test and take that Zio sleep system and start sleeping with the lights on for a week and see how it changes. That's true. It'd be neat to get some salivary, um, you know, spit in a tube and send it off to the lab. Mike Nelson, who's, of course, yeah. a frequent contributor, shout out to Mike, he's um, he's got all the links for, you know, where, you, where to send blood samples or spit yeah. samples online and stuff. Uh, one other thing before we could, you know, talk a little, um, you know, gym talk, so to speak. Um a paper came out in November. I mean, this is spanking new uh, in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. It's my favorite journal. I've talked about it before. Uh, very high tier. Um, you have to be well recognized, let's say, even published in this usually. Uh, I've actually heard that 75% of their papers get rejected out of their office, the main office, before they even send it to some high-level scientist to peer review it. So this paper is from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, November 7th. It says, protein supplementation augments the adaptive response of skeletal muscle to resistance-type exercise training, a meta-analysis. What's big about this? Well, as I said on Twitter when I first saw this, in a way, it's official, right? This is a meta-analysis of many other studies. It was done in the Netherlands by a researcher named uh, Cermak. But here's the deal. They did a systematic review uh, of basically people who resistance trained and got protein or not. And they looked at fat-free mass and fat mass and one rep max. So there's both muscle and strength variables here. Results. The data included 22 randomized clinical trials and 680 total subjects, right? Because these meta-analyses, they're a study of many other studies. And that's why they're so um, powerful. Protein supplementation showed a positive effect for fat-free mass, again, across all these studies, of about three quarters of a kilogram. So not a ton, but some of these, the studies they used were as short as six weeks long. So uh, there was, in fact, more meat, right, more fat-free mass on the guys who consumed the protein, and one repetition max in the leg press, um, they gained 13.5 kilograms uh, of strength in the in the leg press. So again, compared to, you know, those who weren't supplementing protein and training. So a, it's a lot of subjects and many studies. B, it's actual training, right? It's a, it's an outcome variable that we can all readily recognize. It's just, it's not temporary protein synthesis. It's do you have more fat-free mass or do you have a stronger leg press at the end of the period? So conclusion, protein supplementation increases muscle mass and strength gains during prolonged resistance-type exercise training in both younger and older subjects. So like I said, it, it's one of those things you and I talk about all the time, Phil. Nobody's shocked that protein's going to help you put on some mass. Um, but now it's, you know, truly official, I think, in many ways. It's a mm-hmm. talking journal. It's a huge meta-analysis. It's like, okay, now let's move on. Now we can. Now that we've established this, we can start looking at different types of protein, doses, timing schemes. And now we do that anyway. But so... Cool stuff on on protein, literally making you bigger and stronger. So if anybody has a somebody tells them, actually, one reviewer told me with the protein book that I the advertised at the end of the show, actually said the research is clear. Protein does nothing for resistance athletes. I'm like, oh here, you know. So I anyway, this this is the kind of paper and a meta analysis to boot to really kind of shut that. So that's what I've got as far as the science. Uh, now, I know some of the stuff we were discussing before we hit record you can't talk about yet. <laughs> Drop a little <laughs> teaser there for everybody. Yeah, exciting stuff coming up. So, so what, is there any, anything going on in the gym notable? or? Uh... No, I mean, it's going real well. We're at a point where, uh, you know, we're all kind of, uh, my lifters don't have a meet until about March. So, um, you know, just, just plugging in a lot of volume right now. Um, me and another lifter of mine were on the same program and, uh, found a fun way to kind of keep it interesting is we have rep sets at the end. Our, our last set of the main move is a rep set. So we kind of, uh, challenge each other each day to see who gets more. Is this so, with a fairly high load or a low load or? 
eighty percent ish. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, fairly high. Or last weekend it was ninety percent. Okay. So, yeah. So like we, we did, yeah, you can't call that a burnout set, really. No, it was like last Saturday. It was we had ninety percent of our deadlift and a timer going for twenty minutes to see who could do more reps. Cool. So um, yeah, so it, it's a lot of fun. So we we alternate who goes first and who goes second because it's easier to. You know, if you go first, it's a lot easier if you have a number if you're the second person. Yeah, I know. You know Robin if I know, I got to get eight. You know, right? Time bringing time into it like that with a timer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a cool. pain. It was a pain. I I was wrecked afterwards. <laughs> I had to do six. I've been beat up anyway since I pulled that. Paul Carter was in town and I did that seven thirty five for a triple yeah. from mid chin, and I've been wrecked since then. So I had to do six forty five, and I got ten, and I just couldn't move the bar again. <laughs> it yeah. just wouldn't go anymore. Like, I'm done. <laughs> no, no partial rep. <laughs> no, I mean, it, no. I made it like an inch off the floor, and it just wasn't going. My buddy had gotten 11, so and then he couldn't move the bar, so he beat me by one. So, yeah. Yeah, when you start doing uh, 10s and 15s and 20s with big weights, that is devastating, man. Yeah, exactly. No, other than that, um, no, I get my... We get our new competition bench next Friday, day after Thanksgiving, on Black Friday. Sweet. Um, and the monolift is soon following, so we'll be all done here. The expansion will be done. All the insulation's done. I'm just waiting for the rest of the equipment. I gotta come see it. I want to yeah. see it. It's good stuff. You it's, know, it always seems to... like you're you're handymanning your way toward a better and better facility there. Exactly. Soon I'll have five acres of strength. You know, it's gonna <laughs> we're gonna slowly add on to it. That's a good tagline. You should put that on like in oh. newspaper ads. Exactly. Strength no. yield, five acres of strength. Yeah, we got we got a full page article coming out in the newspaper here this Sunday as well. So they came and asked if they could interview us after they heard about the powerlifting meet. But um, videos up for that. I think a lot of people commented it on it. Right on. Uh, put up a video of everybody, all fourteen lifters lifts. So yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. I'm feeling healthy. My squats, it's it's probably better than it's ever been. So it's come along despite my hip. I'll be honest with you, Phil. I'm more impressed by what you've done under the squat bar. I mean, A, I like squats the most. I mean, I'm the kind of person who argue that squat's the king of exercises. You know, I I know there's a good argument to be made for deadlift as well. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, hell, when Bob Ciccarello was on the show months ago, he even said the bench press, some people think, is the king of exercise. But the point is, just knowing your emotional struggle, you know, because of your your hip and everything, God, I mean – 700? No, I, I, you, you go set, you, you may beat Fortress to 700. I know. I know. That's what I'm shooting for. I and mean, that's just crazy. Yes. The way I killed six, it was good. But we'll see. Um, that's my goal is seven. So uh, I'll keep plugging away at it. And like you said, I think it was that point when I just, I finally found out what was wrong with the hip and my options. And then it was like, okay, well, it's time to ignore it. You know, I had the answer. Yeah. So it's, and you know, you know what, Phil? So I'm, I'm actually wondering the same thing about my lower back because it's telling me, hey, you know, Maybe I got a bulging disc. I don't know what's going on. But, again, I guess this is another reference back to Chick Rilla. I was just listening to that old episode on the way to work the other day. But he was saying, you know, I had a spinal fusion, and the next year I was competing. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Now, I know there's pros and cons to that because you get, like, a domino effect of other vertebrae, you know, getting um, some damage and whatnot. But, anyway, I, I don't want to have to necessarily fear it. And, in fact, yeah. last weekend in the gym – um, usually I'm in the gym after work. I'm tired and I'm just trying to yeah. punch the clock, you know, and, um, th- there's a guy and his son in there and they usually see me lift. And I don't think they've ever seen me lift, you know, substantial weights. And I yeah. thought, you know, my back feels good. My hips and my knees are good. So I just went, you know, my set of 300, 365 and I went up to 405 and I, I actually had to promise my wife I'm not going to do that too much anymore. <laughs> um, but you know, I you know get five reps with four or five. It just makes me feel good that I can yeah. still do that. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? And I know that's not um, nothing that's going to impress most of our most of our lifters. But in my current situation with work and not eating and everything else, it just yeah. felt really good. Just to you know what I mean? I, I felt like reclaiming a little bit of of me. Oh, uh, for sure. By being able to do that. So in fact, I just stumbled on an old video of Rob swearing at me. I, I was I I did three fifteen for a twenty. And I might put that on our on our page if I can. It's it's in flash format, so I don't know how well I can do that. But uh, yeah. I've always loved the squat. And I'll tell you, lately in the gym, 
and um, this guy in the sun that you know they don't usually see me lift usually see me lift this much. I asked them for a spot, and I didn't know how experienced they were. And you know, and again, to you, four hundred five is not a lot, but for me, with just a leather belt on my, you know, yeah. Uh, and they're like backing away. Oh, I, I, I don't think I can spot that. And I thought, <laughs> oh, you're new. <laughs> you know, you're, you're new at this. Uh. So rather than say, I'm like, well, just put your hands in front of my chest. I'm not going to fold. You're okay, yeah. you know. And but anyway, it was just kind of nice to talk to them about that. And I think they were surprised that, you know. I could even do that, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway. No, um, yeah. Keep me going. Is, it's, uh, my squat has me happier than anything because my deadlift's always there. You know? Well, I think and that's it, what I mean. I don't mean to poo-poo. The, I mean, you have a world-class deadlift, you know, because you're, yeah. you're not like one of these 400-pound dudes, yeah. you know, and yeah. you're pulling, you know, sevens and eights off the floor. Yeah. And, well, I, I don't want to give you too much credit. Not eight yet in competition. Not eight so. yet, yeah. Uh, but you know that's that's really big numbers. Even Marty Gallagher's like, well, that's great, yeah. you know. So taking nothing from that. But like I said, as far as like improvement, there's mm-hmm. actually a there's a teaching tool you can judge teachers with. I was reading about recently, and I think it's called VA Value Added Teaching. And what they do is they judge you not on test scores but on the change score in, in your students. And so in a way that's proving that you're a good strength coach because your change score in the squat yeah. is oh, yeah, huge. Yeah. You know, so no, for sure. And it's just been figuring out what I can do. And for me, it's a lot of the pause squats have helped. I've been doing a ton of pause squatting. So I think it's not beating up my hip as much because I'm not getting that bounce out of the bottom. You know, I'm sitting into it slow and then yeah. resting there and then up. And doing a lot of rep work with, uh, I have two squat days now, so I squat on my deadlift day too. And doing a lot of rep work with no belt, so it's lighter. Uh-huh. Um, doing sets of 10, and just slowly working up. Started off extremely light, and now I'm working up. And, uh, yeah, just try, starting to get some leg mass back too. I don't look like a freaking light bulb. Right. So. Yeah. Um, which is good. Now, do your legs get uh, big when you're, when you're lifting? Yeah, up? my legs before my hip just went, and it went like literally from, one squat session, I hit 600. The next squat session, I couldn't do 405. That's how fast it was. Mm. You know, it was just overnight, and they oh, they shrank considerably. They lost like four or five inches off each oh, leg. Oh god. Yeah. yeah. So from not being able to squat, I've so always liked starting to come back up. I've always liked the lower body. You know, I yeah. I, I, it's I'm biased because my whole yeah. family's you know bottom heavy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we were at a, a sports medicine conference once, and some of my friends said. Look at that lady. She's she's got quads like you, Lottie, and it was my sister. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I get I get made fun of though because uh, the glute on the bad hip leg just won't grow. So I have oh. one entire just huge. My my right glute is gigantic, and the left one. There is literally if I do a box squat, I'm actually sitting on one cheek. Now, has anything um, compensated on the unilateral side on the same yeah. side that's that's bad? I mean, is it, it's not just one giant butt cheek, you, but is the other? Yeah, I have a, like your adductors are really big over there or something else. No, my my spinal erector on the left side. Oh, higher up. Okay, it's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's so real. Be it. <laughs> that's what I figure. I figure after this is all over, I can take up bodybuilding and I'll be the most asymmetric. I'm going to go for the asymmetry is what I'm going to shoot for. <laughs> I'm just going to embrace my oddities and really blow that glute and that left erector out. So the, <laughs> look at this guy. There you go, <laughs> Quasimodo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, actually, when I was talking about training uh, recently, and soon we'll get to the topic of the day, everybody. We're going to talk about variety versus specificity and how you balance that a little bit. Um, we've touched on that in the past, but um, with work and everything uh, at the university and research, I, I already had nine-hour days. So now with three hours of research, I'm, I'm, it's 12-hour days, and it's, it's, it's tough. So I, I decided actually last week, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to do my regular bodybuilding split, you know, so which is sort of a – I actually do a chest and arms, and then I do a, a, a back and shoulders, and then I do legs. And there's a lot of reasons for this. It's my favorite split. But the point is, because I would miss a day uh, I, the last two weeks, actually, I ended up, like, only getting to go twice a week. So I'm like, I need to uh, fix this, right? Because I'm trying to build conditioning to the point where in the spring I can actually – I want to start training again, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I'm just I've just been getting in there and just doing um, 
uh, what I kind of jokingly in my head call a man circuit. So I bench, I'll do, I'll warm up, I'll do four sets of bench, you know, just, I'm not real big at this, I'm just trying to build capacity, right? So 225 to 275 in the bench, I'll do four sets, then I go squat, and I'll just do, you know, warm up, and then just basically work my way up 315, 365, and I'm not even going over that, just right in that range, you know, 350, mm-hmm. even 275 I have to, and then I just row, just two and a quarter on yeah. the bar, and just do my, you know, four sets of rows, and then boom, I'm out. But yeah. I asked myself, what, in a real time pinch, and with a very limited supply of ener- physical energy, what can I do and somehow at least maintain or stay on track, you know, with building some capacity? And that's the best thing I can come up with. So if listeners can come up with anything better, that's great. But, you know, it, it, it gets her done. I, it, I don't get real sore, so I can do it, I can do it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You know what I mean? So I'm actually getting more frequency just, each body part's not getting fixed. Yeah. So, I don't know. Pros and cons there. Uh, because I, I was, I felt like my workouts weren't really going. I was, I'm eating like a bird at work. So I'll take like, I'll take a lunch, which I think most guys would think, well, what's wrong with that? But it's not two lunches and a snack, you know, like I should be doing. And especially with these long days. And so I lost yeah. eight friggin' pounds Ugh. in just a couple of weeks. And so I just did, in fact, I took pictures of it and did a big photo dump on Twitter. My wife and I, we, uh, we made six quiches, a bacon-wrapped meatloaf, um, a dozen chicken breasts, and we just did this, like, Sunday pre-prep thing. And I've, I've literally ate my way almost back. So uh, that's, that's been fun. I mean, I don't know whoever came up with the idea that quiche wasn't for men. Uh, that's man food. That's high calorie. It's tons of protein. You know, I don't know. Maybe just because it's not meaty enough. I, I don't know. But Yeah. I've been so, eating a ton of eggs, too, yeah. Yeah, and I, you would have loved the bacon wrap meatloaf. That seemed right up your alley. I think oh, I yeah. thought of you when we were, <laughs> we were making that. There's a picture going around of a bacon wrapped turkey. i got to try it. They wrapped the whole freaking turkey, laced it in bacon. Oh. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, guys, um, listeners, we're going to uh, go to break, and when we come back, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we touch on this uh, variety versus specificity issue. I think there's some neat things to discuss for bodybuilders and for powerlifters, so we'll be back in just a little bit. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Every week for four years now, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January 2013, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays.
Hawaiian radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the protein and resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter 2 on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. And we're back with some gym talk. Uh, Phil and I, uh, we're actually going to get to the topic, though, now, which is sort of gym talk related. And it's just going to address the, the idea of variety versus specificity, right? Because both of these are important concepts. I mean, with zero variety, you end up with overuse injuries or boredom or something like that. Uh, and specificity is the natural flip side of that, right? You have to train specific uh, to a movement or even to a goal, like with bodybuilding, it's not about a movement so much. It's about, you know, making a, a particular body part bigger. Um, you know, so you need that too. So yeah. let, let me, let me, you're the coach. Let me ask you first then. So mm-hmm. where do you draw the line with this stuff with, you know, variety versus specificity? Um, you know, I think it's opposite for bodybuilding and powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what you see. Because you'll see bodybuilders, they're very, as far as powerlifting goes, they're more specific out from the competition. Mm-hmm. Moving bigger weights, they're messing with squats and deadlifts and, you know, big benches. And and then as it gets closer, they seem to have paid more attention to the smaller stuff. Okay, you know, I can see that. You know, they're trying to, okay, I need to bring my freaking, you know. Rear delts up or something. Rear delts up and stuff like that. So they're adding in more of that type of thing towards the end of the competition. Whereas, like with with my lifters, it's definitely my power lifters and stuff. It's definitely the opposite. It's um, like right now we just came off of meat, and normally I I program everybody different. But right now we're away from the meat, so pretty much everybody in here is doing the same, very less specific plan. Um, we're working on some general conditioning. We're working on a bit higher rep stuff, and everybody's just kind of punching the clock right now, building that base. Um, a few more bodybuilding type moves, you know, doing some curls, doing some complexes, things like that. Um, getting a little less beat up from the heavyweights all the time. Yeah. So, and then as it gets closer to the meet, we get more and more and more specific to where, you know, we're four weeks out and squat day, we squat. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you go in and we're all squatting for two hours, you know, things right. like that. So, um, I think, I think is, I think too many people get too specific too quick. Um, they they miss the point, and I'm not even think I didn't. They don't see the variety as specific. You know, I, we're doing more variety, but it's still very it's specific to our sport. It's specific you know, to a goal, right? Well, it's yeah, not a specific, specific movement, a right? No, yeah. So it's There's not. More, in fact, this is what I, I'm curious about. So, how do you? Because even when I I've tried my stints with just you know informal power lifting training. How do you stay motivated when you're in this phase where you're almost just benching, deadlifting, and squatting? I mean, is, is that enough 
variety. Oh, God, that's easier for me. Yeah. I would rather go in and squat for two hours straight than I would go in and do five different things. <laughs> you know? But okay. yeah. um, I don't know why. I mean, it's just, I just love the big moves, you know. Um, I love to see, you know, how quickly I can move the bar out, you know. And I just, I don't know. Part of me thinks, I, I kind of go both ways. There's a, there's... There's people who don't give enough credit to what just going in the gym and squatting for two hours can do. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that just start that too early. And, and they don't have a base. I mean, I lucked into it, you know, when I was young and stupid and I just started training, I very much trained. I was all over the place. But I think that helped me build a hell of a base. You mentioned that a few weeks ago, and I you think know. I think you're really onto something there because I bet if most of our listeners, if they're intermediate or beyond I bet they all have similar stories because I can I can reflect what you're talking about too. I would spend way too much time, like doing half a dozen sets of leg extensions yeah, after exactly. my squat worker, before my squat worker. Mm-hmm. Just stupid, you know. Yeah. Uh, and now I never do that. But like you said before, and we've all said before, uh, that brings you to the point that you're at now. We we can we can issue those things. We can discard those things. Because we've already been there, we've actually exactly. Done that. And one thing that's kind of setting me into this is, and well, I guess it's just affirming what I thought is, you know, that got me where I've, I've, I'm at now. You know, that played a role in it. Was you know, I just happened to get uh, John Cook's book. So he wrote a book uh, in the early '80s, and it's a collector's item now. And I couldn't find the thing, and uh, um, I put out a post on Facebook, seeing if anybody had it. Mark Rifkind was kind enough to send me a copy. He had two. Anyways, John, uh, he goes into, uh, uh, like, the first three years of training that he has people, it's very much more less. You're hardly deadlifting, and this is for powerlifting. You're, you're not doing many squats, deadlifts, benches, stuff like that. It's more uh, more bodybuilding type stuff. And it's the argument, I think you're seeing it more and more in raw lifters, is they they don't give the credit that you need there. Us as, as raw lifters, we need, we've got to be full body strong. Hey, because, in fact, Phil, you, know, you are really stimulating my memory of something Marty said last week that I wanted to bring up. Um, because, you know, he kind of talks, he starts rolling and talking over yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But one thing that really came to my mind, and I mean, you know, he's he's a grown-ass man, as you'd say. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not going to fault him for it. But um, he was saying that the, in the heyday of powerlifting or even bodybuilding, if you want to call it that um, – these guys were muscle monsters. Yeah. Right. And it's so it's like what you're saying. I mean, or when you talk to some of these real high level um, bodybuilders, mm-hmm. even though they probably sh- shouldn't be benching 500 plus, some of them yeah. do because they can't yeah. get it out of their heads. But the mm-hmm. point being is huge muscle mass. And, and like you're saying, developing that, yeah. that's something that uh, I'm afraid we've lost. I think that's where a lot of powerlifting and bodybuilding comes together right we yeah. all and love a big engine yeah and that was lost a bit i think when a lot of the equipment became more and more and more and more prevalent mm-hmm. um you're seeing guys they come in and they they like marty was uh, talking about it's they don't need that structure now because they wear that structure oh good way to put it yeah they wear you it. know yeah. they so they don't we have to take years to build this i have to be able to bear the load myself you know, I don't have a suit holding me together. So, I mean, there's a reason that I can sit down the bottom with a 600-pound squat and not get folded over like a noodle. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I think it's all those years before. And me as a coach, I've battled with this because I've got lifters come in, they're new, and they I want to do powerlifting. Well, you know, I do I throw them right into a powerlifting program or do I look back on my history? So you're and saying what I did. they have tunnel vision, right? They want to bench squat <laughs> dead or? Yeah, and they, well, and me, no, they're just coming in and asking me. To tell them what to do. Okay, okay. And, you know, what do I do? Do I have them join in with the powerlifting team, or do I go back to, you know, I can't ignore what I did the 10 years before I started powerlifting. It had to feed into it somehow. You know, and how much of that do they need? Yeah. You know, how much of just variety do they need to just build the big base before they start building, you know, the foundation before they start building the house on top of it? Yeah, I, I wonder how <laughs> bodybuilding has changed with a lot of the younger guys. I, I mean, I'll tell you, one of the things that I always did, and I, again, I keep talking about the Chicarillo episode because I was just listening to it, but I did the same thing he did back in the 80s and 90s, which was, you know, umpteen sets of, and I would always do like 12 reps in a set, 12, mm-hmm. 15 reps. I yeah. never do that anymore. And I know there was some power bodybuilders that came along 
whether it was Menser or Dorian, certainly, yeah. you know, some of these guys that changed the way we thought about these things. You know what I mean? And, yeah. But I very quickly gravitated toward power bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's not necessarily power lifting because it might be bent barbell rows instead of deadlifts. Yeah. Uh, but these are not, these are not foo-foo movements either. No. You know, um, and just I mean, like a five rep scheme kind of thing, five to eight, you know, it's just funny how you gravitate toward things that you're good at, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and I've always more leaned towards that end, even when I was doing, you know, the more physique-type training. It was, it was much more bigger moves. But there were stuff thrown in, like, you know, upright raises and lateral raises and stuff like that. And yep. I got to... Yeah. That, you know, building big, broad shoulders, and it's got to play a role in keeping you safe and, and strong later when you're when you're bearing all these big loads. Yeah. Um, and doing the leg extensions and leg curls and umpteen sets of... You know, light good mornings and light stiff-legged deadlifts and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, and that's that's what I try to feed into my people is this is, right now is our time to not do that. We're doing lots of stiff-legged deadlifts and good mornings and light, light stuff, you know, 60% and down. Yes. And it's, you know, we need to build that. We need to build the structure to be able to bear the load later. That's a great way to put it because I think what I had jotted down here for one of the arguments that are pro-variety is it by hitting a muscle from different angles, you know, you put a little bit different stressors on it, you know, like the clavicular versus the sternal fibers of your of your pec or yeah. one of the heads of the deltoids or, you know, or maybe it's even just the assister muscles or the stabilizers that are involved, yeah. you know, that like you might think doing those, I don't know, I'm trying to pull this off the top of my head, but like instead of doing bent lateral rows or lateral uh, dumbbell raises and, you know, kind of working your traps and your rhomboids and stuff, Maybe mm-hmm. that keeps your rhomboids conditioned so then when you get under a big bench and they have to stabilize your scapula, they can do their job. Exactly. You know? You know. So. I mean, that's, I think a lot of that gets ignored now. People want to go put the cart before the horse. You know, and, and they, I'm just going to bench squat and deadlift. And, you know, we are, as powerlifters, we are the most beat up when we get to a meet. You know, because yeah. all we've done is squat, bench, deadlift. You know, and I add press in. We always press every week overhead. And lots of rows or chins, but mm-hmm. still, I mean, we get there and our tendons are aching, and you know we're strong as hell, but we're, we're at that break. See, point. that's funny you're saying this. Maybe I did it right then because so. what eventually drove me away from the power stuff was just that. I mean, oh yeah, I was now I was not because I didn't have a, you know a powerlifting coach to sort of suggest accessory movements. Mm-hmm. I was way over focusing on bench squat dead, bench squat dead. You know, it was almost three workouts a week, yeah. one of each, with all, with very little other stuff. And I felt like I was strong. Like I've never been able to yeah. do five sets of five with three six <laughs> five in the squat. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I know those aren't huge numbers, but that's a huge capacity for me. Mm-hmm. And but everything hurt. <laughs> I was. I just yeah, felt, exactly. I felt healthier when I was bodybuilding because of yes. the variety of movements. And I don't think that and makes that's sense. Exactly. But. No, it makes total sense. And that's exactly what we have to do. I mean, we're we're now we gotta back away from that. Sure, we're still squatting, benching, deadlifting, but that's like the first move we do before the five other moves. Uh-huh. You know, and it's very it's a lot lighter. Um, you know, if we go up to a single, it's like eighty okay, go to eighty five percent for one. Just to keep a little bit of load on you and stay used to it, but then just move away from that. We're doing, you know, sets of 20, sets of 10s, um, things like that, and then moving on to, you know, this kind of row, that kind of row, this kind of press. You know what I um, think for me, there was, I felt like I was getting, I, I was losing mobility and flexibility a bit. Because, yeah. like, like, because I was no longer doing, let's say, I don't know, dumbbell flies, you know, yeah. to stretch my pecs or, mm-hmm. um, I, I was backing away from the stiff leg deadlifts a little bit because I was yeah. just simply squatting so much. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like I, I was not putting muscles in a, um, a stretched position, you know, yeah. like you do. Some of these bodybuilding movements that are my favorite actually work a muscle in a fairly stretched state. Yeah. Uh, and it causes a lot of, you know, micro trauma and soreness and all that kind of stuff, like as, whether, whether it's flies or lying triceps extensions, you know, hit heads. Skull yeah. crushers, whatever, you know, your triceps in a stretch state or stiff leg deadlifts. I mean, nothing makes my hamstrings sore like stiff leg deadlifts. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're training in a sore state. But I think that was also maintained my flexibility on some level. And when I stopped doing them, and maybe it's partly a function of the fact that I'm in my forties too. Maybe I lose some of that faster than when I was in my twenties, but you, 
I really experienced that loss of flexibility because of yeah. not training stuff in a really stretched state. Oh yeah, no, I'm I am much I am much less flexible now than I was before I powerlifted for the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I I make it a case to stay. It's not a bad thing for me. Um, I stay just flexible enough to yes. do what I have to do. Yeah. Um, which is kind of where I'm, I, I have some people that I need to get more. I have one of the people on my powerlifting team, that, a yoga instructor. She can put her feet over her freaking head. And it's so a little harder for her in the squat. She has to kind of try and get tight at parallel. Well, I imagine but, uh, that powerlifters, I've seen data on runners, and I'm almost sure I've seen it with lifters too, that a certain amount of Stiffness. I mean, too much flexibility, and it's just going to hurt your lifts. Oh yeah. You know, you you need a little bit of that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, some tension. You know, and I don't. Maybe stiffness isn't the right word. I'm not talking about like you know, literally uh, the bone part of the joint, but just having a a, a, a less rubbery joint has got to uh-huh. help. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, the one big famous case of that was uh, Deion Sanders when he came out of college, went to the NFL. They they tested him. He had extremely tight hamstrings. And so they figured, you know, some coach said, oh, man, if we like, you know, stretch out your hamstrings and stuff, you'll be so much faster. And so they did that, and he lost a bunch of time. Oh, right. You know, because it was right. that stretch, that stretch that was giving him, you know, also speed. And a lot of that stretch is what gets us power out of the hole. You know, I, I physically can't. People make fun of me. I'm squatting, and I have trouble hitting depth till about 405. Oh, do you? And that's when oh, I can get. okay. And that's, yeah. it's that load that helps me won't sit down there and boom, you know, then I can power out of it. You know, I mean, I can bend over and touch my toes and stuff, but um, it, it's not, it's a chore. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, but that's purposeful. I've, I've done that on purpose. I need to gain a little bit here, a little bit there. It's ID and what I need to do. Right. It's but specificity, no, I, right? I mean, that's yeah. specific to your goals. And even when we're being, adding in variety, I'm, you know, it's very specific variety. It's for a reason. You know, it's to build this bigger base and stuff like that. No, I think you stumbled onto something with what you were talking about after, you know, what you do in six, eight weeks. Yeah. Of the powerlifting type stuff? Oh, uh, months. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's where, months. you know, we, it's an interesting thing that you'll see in, in raw powerlifters usually from what I've seen is that we're, we're our most jacked and like lean looking away from meat. Um, as you get closer to the meat, when you get so specific, you get less of that, I guess, sculpted look or whatever, because we're doing, all we're doing is squatting, benching, Jim's poles. You know, right. I, I definitely saw that too. Not only was I and stiffer, but I felt like I was getting fatter, but I was, it was because of, you know, the very high loads with a, with a lower amount of, mm-hmm. um, total volume. Yeah. And so you're just not burning, you're not burning a lot of calories. I mean, certainly not in the same yeah. way. You know, you walk out of the gym an hour and a half later, and I don't know, you, you've only done, um, two dozen reps or something. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's where that comes. You're not getting the volume in. You're not getting, and that's where this off season's for. You know, our off season's the time to, like, Rob always talks about the motor, you know, and putting new parts in it, having a, getting a bigger motor. It's, yeah. we're in that time where we need to get a bigger motor. Yeah. And I think that's why bodybuilders, they need to do that too. I mean, whether it's power bodybuilding or straight up some power lifting. Yeah. You know, driving heavier weights, getting yes. your nervous system and your joints able to handle that and that sort of thing. That's important ultimately, you know, for mass building. Mm-hmm. No, and, and us as powerlifters, uh, the same thing. We can't ignore that bodybuilding thing because we need to get, you know, if you get more muscle, you have the potential to get stronger. Well, we said a hundred times, right? I mean, off season, there's to any heavy training power bodybuilder, there's very little difference between uh, a powerlifter and a bodybuilder. Oh, yeah, very little in their their goals. I mean, it's true. Yeah. You might, you're not going to see bodybuilders necessarily doing speed work or yeah. I don't know. Let's say like reverse hypers, maybe or. Uh, you know, certain things that I, I tend to see powerlifters do, but as far as the way they look, I mean, yeah. let's face it, you carry a little bit of body fat, you know. Uh, I yeah. saw a joke floating around the internet recently. I don't know if it was on our Facebook page or not, but it said, if you can't tolerate me in the off season when I'm bloated and panting, then you don't deserve me when I'm ripped or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, I agree, and I think we're both kind of in the same area, and uh, I think it's good. It, it's good. I think, like you said, I think more more bodybuilders i think could i could make a case to where they should take you know six weeks and just lift heavy and the benefit we have you know we're coming off this meet where we all peaked out in strength and then i i'm very much a fan of working off percentages 
So all my people are working off percentages. But now we've got, you know, compared to last time when we were in this stage, we've got a whole new percentage to work off of. Right, yes. They're doing 35 reps at 70% of a whole new percentage. So, and then, you know, we're using that and getting bigger. And, I, you know, bodybuilders can do the same thing. Take six weeks, build some strength, and then go back to your mass building. Well, I also think it's because there's less variety uh, on the power side in a lot of ways. I mean, let's face it, there are hundreds of bodybuilding exercises. Oh, you know? yeah. And although that can be great for flexibility and other things, it got bodybuilders who fall into this sort of um, habit of just, oh, what do I feel like training today? It becomes so loose yeah. that, uh, and I've, I've been like, like, there's been whole years of my career where, although I would always do a meat and potatoes movement, you know, mm. squat. Sometimes even leg press, whatever it was, but some kind of big pile on the weight movement, and then followed up with some accessory exercises. That, you know, the stiff legs and the or the hamstring curls or ex- leg quad extensions, whatever. Um, but you know, you you get to the point where if you're not very careful, it's so random, you're almost ensuring that you're spinning your wheels. Whereas the powerlifter yeah. approach ensures progress. Yeah. Because of, you know you're measuring loads. You're like, listen, I, if I can bench 275. For four sets of four, uh, you know, I, I don't really care what my max is as a bodybuilder. That's better than when I was doing 255 for four sets of four. You know what I mean? So you're working in yeah. this like high percentage range, but, um, you know, like mm-hmm. 85, 90% maybe, uh, and building extra sets, adding extra sets in that range. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe to take it a bit further, you know, we do, you know, we're in the off season, we're doing sets of 10, sets of, you know, or more on squat. But at the same time, we're also looking at at form, perfecting the form we need for powerlifting through all these reps. You know, it's not just you knock them out. You know, it's, okay, are these correct? You know, yeah. because we need to have, there's very, especially as you get stronger, there's very, the, the, the lenience of messing up gets smaller and smaller as you get stronger and stronger. A quarter inch starts to mean a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we use that time to perfect that. There's no better way to do it. You know, there's no better way to get squat, get good at squatting good reps than doing a crap load of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And having somebody watch you and say, oh, that was an inch high. Okay. This one, you shift on your toes a little bit. Let's correct that. So you're always, every single rep has its own life. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a set of 20. Yeah. And I, I think that's where they, they vary a lot. Like if you watch old videos of Tom Platt's train, he's bouncing in the bottom of like a chin mm-hmm. or a dumbbell flies or something he's he's gone inside you know he's yeah, oh, minding yeah. the muscle and he doesn't care about it what the the rep looks like he's yeah. he's living the hypertrophy you know yeah. and you guys are feeling for the pump feeling for this and that and sure i mean i do that like on my you know i did a what my my set of six at 85 percent this week I'm looking for that too, and I do get in that zone, but I'm also feeling each rep. Well, you got to love right. the muscle mass, you know. I mean, because yeah. obviously you're about strength, because you're normally talking numbers. But yeah. I hear you say it on a regular basis. You know, you'll say something that's I consider like almost bodybuilder vanity, or maybe not vanity, oh, yeah. but you know what I mean. That sort of ego, like, hey, I'm a, I want some big muscles, you know, for sure. And it's just like Marty was saying, that's that behooves powerlifters to be enormously yeah. muscular, yeah. you know. And that's exactly like we were talking about. I'm doing a second squat day now, and that's a pure. It's that's all it's for. I'm doing three sets of ten on Saturdays for no other reason than to get bigger legs. Right. You know, just get, get bigger in the lower body. I'm wiping I'm just, a tear from a, my eye. Bro. <laughs> you know, and I'm not. I'm ignoring the weight. I started off at like 45 percent. So beautiful. And it's just <laughs> knocking out sets of ten. And I've been adding five pounds a week for five weeks now. And I'm doing it without a belt because I figured, hey, that's going to help me build some core strength. Yep, yep. Because you know, I hate doing ab moves. I did like probably five sets of three ab moves the other day, and I, oh my god, I was sore. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I've I got really strong abs, yeah. but it's just they're not used to that flexion movement anymore. Right. And uh, I'm trying yeah, to, I'm yeah. trying to do stuff. I'll do like uh, V sits or hanging. Yeah, you know, leg raises with a twist. That's what I do. You know, like bring my knees way up to my forehead mm-hmm. kind of thing with yep. a twist, just to try to engage as much of that core as possible, so I don't have to do it fifty reps. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what I do too. I'll do leg raises and or I'll hang on a chin up bar and and raise my legs all the way up over my head and stuff. It's something more fun because I can't, I just can't get myself to sit down and do crunches or and stuff like that. But I figure as much as I'm walking out freaking five hundred plus pound squats and doing. 
six, seven hundred pound deadlift, my core's got to be pretty strong. You know, that's but. right. I mean, people talk about core. You know, w- w- when the core craze, like right before CrossFit, you know, maybe it fed into it. Was everybody was yeah. like core, core, core? It's like you know what? What's a military press or a squat? I'm yeah, just saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean. And that's, I think, I think there's a place for it. And I did hundreds and hundreds of reps of that stuff years ago. You yes. know, but oh, I yeah. mean, and now, I mean, I, I don't, but people see me do a freaking, you know, a, a dragon flag off a bench or something. They're like, my God, you got a strong core. Well, you know, I, what do you do for it? Well, I squat. Yes. You know, I pick up heavy things from the floor. But, and then, you know, I'll do things like farmer's walks or suitcase carries, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's, it's more real life stuff. Go chop wood. Um, well, you've gotten specific again. Back to the topic, you know, you've gotten specific with what you need it for, and I mean, yeah. once, once you've done all the crazy stuff, you know, um, weighted twists or whatever, you know, all, uh, hundreds and hundreds of regular sit-ups or, or Roman yeah. chair or whatever, yeah, you get to the point where maybe you can maintain and even improve your core strength just by doing the, the heavy squats because you've got so much on your back now. Yeah, you know. But. As far as pure variety, though, I really don't. I don't believe in it, really, um, because I think at least everybody that comes in here, we're doing it for a reason. You know, I'm, you know, it may look a little mishmash at times, but there's there's a reasoning behind it. I don't believe in doing moves unless it's for something, right? Not just for variety's sake. Yeah, and I think there's a place for that. Like I like taking, if I have the chance to once or twice a year, go to a commercial gym, and I'll go in there and just bounce from machine to machine. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. And I, I think fun's a reason, personally. You know, I tell that, to, you know, if, if I have a client that really likes doing, I don't know, drag curls or something, just, I love it. Well, do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because fun is a reason. I mean, enjoyment, people, you got to enjoy training. Or if you love doing, you know, you love running the mile a day, go, go enjoy yourself. Yeah. You know? But uh, other than that, I mean, most of everything we do should be, should be for a reason. Um, well, I think in in, in um, bodybuilding, one of the things that you'll see people as they go from beginner to intermediate, they do just what you the opposite sort of of what you just said, which was they increase the variety. They learn eight dozen new movements, and then then they yeah. go have to try them all. Yeah, and although exactly. that's good, maybe it does help with the tendon and ligament conditioning oh, or sure. soft yeah. tissue fascia whatever. It's not making them any bigger. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Because they if they drift away from the uh, compound multi joint movements. And they start doing a lot of specialty stuff. Um, yeah, you're spending way too much time on that. You're not really getting any bigger. And I think guys need to realize when they when they see pro bodybuilders do that, they're going to grow almost regardless. I mean, trying to put on just rear delts as a natural guy, you know what? Just you should just be doing a lot of heavy shoulder work, overhead pressing movements, or back work. You know, um, rows uh, yeah. instead of trying to do those one arm. You know, perfectly pronated uh, lateral raises, unilateral yeah. lateral raises or something, or cable something or other, you know? Because you're not going to build giant uh, rear delts or a, a giant peak on your biceps or, or something very specific like that, yeah. um, like those guys can do. You know, Arnold talked about in the, like in Pumping Iron, I think it was, he's like, oh, just slap on some clay. Well, you can do that when you're chewing a bottle of Anavar, you know, or a, or Anadrol every workout. And you can, you can make dramatic changes in mass fairly quickly with specific movements. And a lot of guys can't do that, right? No, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, and variety, I mean, you mentioned it and with, you brought up CrossFit. And that is a, a training, what would you call it? I guess a training plan, a training, uh, anyways, uh, there, it's, it's, their whole scheme is variety. It's, it's a plan that's built on nothing but variety. That's and, a good point. You know, if, if variety were what made you huge, then you'd have 8,000 friggin' CrossFitters running around that are just jack and ready to go in Olympia. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's a really good point. Then, they've, they've taken variety so far oh, that uh, they're jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Yeah. I mean, that it goes to as far as, you know, they'll squat and then, okay, go for a PR, and then two months later they get a squat again. Okay, go for a PR. Well, I haven't squatted in two months. You know, but, uh, and that's, I do believe in transfer. You know, we've talked about transfer before, but, you know, still, if you want to get better at something, you've got to do it over and over and over again. You know, and you're right, too. I think, I think our point about, you know, it's always 
a, well, it's not always, sometimes questionable that one movement is going to transfer to something else. You know, like, mm. how well does all this speed work really transfer to bigger one rep maxes? I think there could be a debate there, you know, uh, potentially. Um, or I don't or certain accessory movements. But yeah. I don't think there'd be as much debate over what we're saying about general tissue conditioning or doing the higher rep stuff to give your joints a break. You know, yeah. maybe you're chewing up all your muscle glycogen, your hormonal profile's different, but it's a different um, load and pace and cadence of the workout and everything else. Yeah. So, you know, you're when you're when you're metabolically draining your glycogen reserves because it's higher rep or bigger volume, by definition, you're, you're using less weight and sparing your joints. Yeah. You know, and so some people will undulate their periodization like that and go, you know, light, more metabolic stuff, and then on to the heavy, uh, activate the big, you know, type two uh, muscle fibers and all that kind of stuff. And but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, I can see why mesocycles or undulating cycles are are good in some way, so long as you're not like running in every direction at once. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, there's something to be said about that. And the changes don't have to be that big. You know, you can go from, like me, my knee started hurting. We've been doing pause squats. And so I just changed from five weeks of pause squats to now box squat. And that's enough of a different, but it's the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that little bit of right or moving the bar from low bar to two inches up to be a high bar. Things like that. It's it's enough different that it, 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 you're hitting different things. And it's a different motor pattern a little bit. It, it or, is. And I'll tell you, like, <clears throat> you could actually see, I remember reading an article in, uh, I think, one of the NSCA journals about how squats have a very different, you know, motor unit firing pattern than, let's say, leg presses. Yeah. You know, I mean, these things are both extension of the lower limb. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But or like chins versus pull downs. These are these are muscularly different things. You know? Oh yeah. And I'll tell you, here's a huge one. It's uh, you know, your hamstring. You can do a leg curl, or your hamstring's highly involved in a deadlift. You know, I hadn't done leg curls in ten years, probably. And I sat down and did some when my arm, when I jacked my arm up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I you should. I was turning purple with like twenty pounds on the yeah. on the. And you it know. was like, God, this burns. And you know, I'm somebody that can deadlift. You know, seven hundred plus, and I'm sitting here with twenty pounds. I'm like, oh my God, my hamstring is gonna separate. <laughs> it's totally different. You no, know, that's, that's what I was gonna. That's one point that I wanted to make before we end is that mm-hmm. I have actually I felt like it when I was coming off the powerlifting back to the bodybuilding, and I've seen it with some of the other powerlifters in the gym. Is yeah, they don't look super impressive in a lot of bodybuilding movements because they don't do them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm Dave Tate's talked about that. You know, it's it's totally different, and he had to teach himself to. We're all about moving the weight efficiently. You know, sure. Right now, I, I'm looking to build some this or that and this or that, but it's all through moving weight efficiently and doing it right. Whereas the bodybuilders more towards that targeting the muscle. And, you know, Dave talked about it was a big transition, learning that, you know, ignoring the I'm looking to move the weight well and move it fast to I'm looking to target this muscle. And he had to learn to to feel them, you know, because, you know, if I'm doing a bent over row, I'm not thinking about targeting my back, you know, or my freaking, you know. Depressing See, my that's funny when you that. say that because it's actually hard for me to do the opposite. It's hard for me to just, um, except for when I squat, but... For a lot of things like rows, I'm always thinking, how do I stretch my lats, squeeze them at the top? It's always, yeah. it's a natural, just like I think you can train yourself to, to work through pain on some yeah. level. I think you can train yourself where your focus is becomes very automatic. Yeah. You know, like pecs versus benching, yeah. lats versus <laughs> rowing. Uh, and See, I think I'm- that's why it's been hard for me to embrace the deadlift, to be honest. First of all, I'm not very good at it. Uh, but secondly, I've never really done it much. So, I mean, yeah. I could probably come out with you and you could probably put 300 pounds on my Yeah. Neck because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a jumbled chaos of muscular activity. To oh, me. yeah, it is. You know, you can't instead one of, thing. Yeah. yeah, I can't think, I can't think, um, cause I never used to say, like on back day, I'm like, I'll de- deadlift today. No, it's gonna make my legs sore if I can't lift, train legs. You know, so maybe I'll put it on leg day. No, it doesn't fit there either. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's just no good place to put it in sort of a bodybuilding regime. So unfortunately, I neglected it. Yeah. Um, but anyway. No, for sure. And I mean, I think it's a huge back builder. Well, I'll put your whole posterior chain. But yeah, I mean, no, and I've learned to do that though with, and I've changed in a very much, uh, like our back, the whole of our back, really, but may, upper back, mid back. Um, it's training it like a bodybuilder. 
um, because there is no bent over row contest. You know, all we're looking right. to do really in my gym is we want a lot of meat back there. You know, I don't care if you're freaking rowing 500 pounds. If you get a bunch of meat back there, it's going to be something put together to hold you together. And that's that's all that matters back there. Well, it's so. funny. My proclivity for rows, I think, seated cable rows and just barbell rows, I've always had a very deep, like, mid-back. You know, I remember a guy walked up to me uh, once, and he's he put his hand in, like, up to my spine. You know, he's like, God, I'll, yeah, yeah, all the way up to my second knuckles. You know, that's just yeah. meat right there. Now, I've always been a little weaker in my upper uh, yeah. Across my upper back until I started doing low rack pulls, yeah. you know. But um, no, and that's it's funny where the, you know the target because really anatomically, I mean, what have you got? Your upper back is almost entirely at least surface anatomy traps, and yeah. your lower back or mid back is lats. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much. The, the origins of those muscles are so repeated across yeah. your spine and everywhere else. Yeah. Not like your lats, they all insert into your it, what, the bicipital groove or whatever on your humerus. You know, all this meat inserting in, in one place. But you know, yeah, that's a lot of mass like you're saying. Yeah, and that's you know, it's uh that's one thing I've tried to learn. You know, you'll see powerlifters they're more into like chins or pull downs, but it's it's uh you know, I always was into chins and it was very much see how many I could do. And I've had to try and to train myself to let's really Target our lats, type of thing. But I mean, the best, the best comment I ever got almost was a few years ago. Some guy at a seminar came up after the seminar. was like, dude, you got some huge freaking lats. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's great. I don't have, you know, I don't have imaginary <laughs> lat syndrome. So there you um, go. You're a bodybuilder. Yeah. So well, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I was very for my first ten years or so. That's what I was based on. Sure, I was trying to get strong, but I, I was trying to get big. Right. You know, and then I turned that into, into pure strength and i mean it's it's where do those lines cross and i think it does cross on things like you know your upper back um you know the whole of your back really you know a big back a big butt big hamstrings are going to help move more load and that's one thing you know john cook really got into is that there's always going to be some bodybuilding in um, well, you're always going to have some of it. It's just that you get less as you get bigger and older and stronger. And I think that's where that's why Iron Radio works, you know, because I think every, every power lifter needs to focus on being a muscle monster, like oh, yeah. Gallagher was so saying. Too. And by the same token, bodybuilders should not be so fluff that they're struggling with 135 pounds in the bench, and that you know what I mean. And they're they all, like I'm not a big fan of of what Chickarilla was saying, you know, about I don't care how much I bench as long as I look like I can bench 500. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably a better moral of the story to say I want to look freakish and at least partly Be perform the part. Yeah. You know. Because I guarantee you, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're a... Uh, and there's a certain density that heavy loads give you. Yes, that's you know? right. And, I mean, I would love to see, I mean, as you as a bodybuilding fan, I mean, just imagine if someone like Kaz in his heyday would have dieted down. Well, you know, you know the, the truth is, he looked so damn good. Um, yeah. he he's any bodybuilder would aspire to look like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, and a lot of those older guys, I mean, if they if they'd actually diet it down, you know, they always walk around looking well. Yeah. I mean, even the heavyweight guys were sure they're carrying some body fat, but it was like that dude is just big. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, who wants to? I I'm a weight class lifter. And I want to be able to move as much weight as I can within my class, but I also want to I, I want to be able to throw on dress clothes and people say that dude lifts. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and, and on the flip side of this, just to wrap things up because I know we're we're out of time here, but is I'm ju- I'm sort of just the opposite. You know what I mean? I I definitely want people to be able to tell that I lift, but I'd like to be able to go in the gym and the powerlifters like, oh, yeah, he's pretty strong. Yeah, exactly. You know. So. Yeah. So. All right. Well, good talk, I think. Yeah, it was another good show. So, until well, next week, folks. Yeah, maybe Fortress will join us. Maybe he'll be out one more week. But, yeah, we'll see you next time. Okay, thanks a lot. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters – the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, 
you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.